Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast of Community Bible Church of Savannah, Georgia. You're listening to the series, Bless the Lord, a study on the book of Psalms. For more information about CBC, please visit www.cbcofsavannah.org. We hope you'll enjoy this sermon from God's Word. I um, went on a trip last weekend, and I don't know about y'all, but if I'm going to go on a trip, I've got to find out the directions. I've got to find out um, where I'm going. Lots of times on trips, I don't know about y'all, I don't get lost. I just find another creative way to get there. And um, I wanted to go to Gainesville, Georgia. So I like going 441. That's my route. I like getting on 441. But I was on Highway 73, and I realized after hearing the little mechanical voice of my Garmin telling me it needs to recalculate, recalculating, I realized I was on the wrong road. So what I want to do this morning is I want to take a few minutes. I want to talk about what happens uh, when you get lost on Highway 73. Before we do, let's just open up with a word of prayer. Father, I am thankful uh, for this time. I'm thankful that you have allowed me to stand before your people. I know what that looks like. I know my capabilities. I know where my faults are. I know that I'm completely incapable of representing you well, but I pray that you'll give me the opportunity, that you'll use me as a vessel, um, because I cannot do this on my own. I know that. I do pray for your strength. I pray that you will, as you put the words in my mouth, and I share that, I pray that your people will take those words and make them applicable to their lives. That's my prayer. I ask it in your son's name. Amen. Let let me first, as now I'm into, this is the third time I've preached this, I've been remiss in, in announcing that I am not Bill Fowler. Some people have not known that or haven't noticed that. Well, you wouldn't if you were a first-time visitor. Uh, But let me me say this from the very beginning and from the on-start, and it's this. You are here for a reason. It's not by coincidence. It's not by chance. It is by God's providence that you are sitting in the chair that you're sitting in. Uh, It might have been you've been invited by someone, um, and that's great. And as I said in my prayer, I am a sinner. 
But by God's grace, he is going to use me, broken, falling on my face, at times a difficult person to work for, a difficult father, a difficult husband, but he is allowing me to share with you. This is going to be a good time. This is going to be good because what we're going to look at is we're going to look at truth. See, many of you have come in through these doors and you're dragging some very heavy burdens. You're dragging some concerns. And that is the great thing about this study is that we're going to look at Psalm 1. For those of you who uh, have not been coming here, we've been working through different books um, in different chapters in Psalm. And what we're going to look at this morning is the first Psalm. And what is so great about this Psalm is that it is going to give you a perfect answer. You come, you struggle. We oftentimes are looking for that comfort. We will get it in this first Psalm. Let's look at it. Let me read it to you in its entirety, and then it is just going to be a great privilege to break it down, and we'll look at it together. Psalm 1 says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. You know, I, I, I talked about that as I make this trip, I, I need direction. And this psalm, what happens is it's very simple. It's very succinct. It's very clean. And, and I think that's the reason why this is here. you got all of these other psalms, 150 psalms, and it takes this one and puts it right at the beginning, and it makes it very clear, and it says to me, blessed are you. And when I read the words for the first time talking about this blessing and being blessed, the first thing that kind of jumped in my mind was, I, I don't know if you like going to the beach, um, but it made me think about years ago when I would go to the beach and I would take my chair and, and you, you put the chair in the sand and you sit down and you're kind of sitting like this and you go, ah, I got to get this chair right. So I get the chair and I get it and I smash it down into the sand and I get it level. And you, I mean, you know, you've been to the beach and you get this chair. Then you sit down and you go, oh, this is where I want to be. I can see the waves. I can, I'm under the umbrella. I'm comfortable. That's how I felt when I read these first couple of words that it says, blessed are or blessed is the man. Blessed are you, Greg. And so often you hear 
the woes and the complaints from Christians. So often you hear the moanings, and not that they are not true, but you hear the struggle with, why am I still caught up in this sin? Why, do, why am I still in bondage? Why do I still struggle with these things? And it's so frustrating. It just reminds me oftentimes of what Paul says, why do I do the very things I don't want to do? Why do I do that? The psalmist says, blessed are you. Here it comes. Here's where we are. This is what it looks like. What does a blessed man look like? What what does that look like to me? A blessed man. And this is where I want to be in my walk. A blessed man is someone who is righteous. It is someone who pursues righteousness. It is someone who has joy. It is someone who is content. Even though times are difficult, he's content. So where are you? What are you? Are you blessed? Are we blessed? What does that look like? Well, what, the, what it says in, in, in right behind the, the opening where it says blessed is the man, it says who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Now, when I am looking for the direction and when I want to get somewhere, there's going to be these indicators. And so the first thing that the psalmist says here is that you don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. So in other words, you don't sign up for their way of thinking. You don't think the way that they think. You don't get caught up in it. You don't form your plans around it. You don't participate in their outlook. You don't participate in their direction. So this is what the psalmist is saying. He says, you don't sit in that council. You don't sit under that. And, and you know, as I thought about this verse, I thought about a personal application for me. I know the early morning very well, better than I would like. There's several reasons for that. I can think of eight right off the top of my head. And so as I'm laying there in the morning and I'm trying to guess what time it is by the darkness, my mind starts thinking. I start thinking about, well, what did I do yesterday? How did I act yesterday? What didn't I do yesterday? What, and, and, and you know what I'm talking about. If there's ever that moment, if there's ever that quiet, for me, it's early in the morning. And so as I'm laying there, I start thinking about, what am I going to do tomorrow? What, I gotta, what has to be done today? What is my plan? How did I act? How did I speak to my children? What did I say to my wife? All of these things start, and guess what happens? Satan comes in, and he eases in to my way of thinking. And when that happens, I get up. I used to not, but I've kind of confessed that to my wife where I say, you know, when that happens, I need to get up. Because I'll tell you this, if I can get you to think the way that I think, I've got a hold of your foot. And that is what Satan wants to do. So as we begin looking at this, it says, blessed are you when you don't think the way that they think. So it's this way of of, of, um, taking your mind and how you kind of chew it over and how you think about it. But then it goes on to say, but you don't stand 
in the way of sinners. Now, you understand the council. The council refers to a thought when it talks about standing in the way of sinners. Now, this is suggesting a behavior rather than a thought pattern. So, look how it's beginning to layer. Blessed are you who don't do this. You don't think this way. Well, okay. Well, as you start thinking this way, don't stand here. Don't get in the way of sinners. Now your behavior is starting to change. Don't sit in the seat of scoffers. Now, here's the implication now. You're thinking this way as you walk by the sin. Now you start slowing down. Now there becomes an action. And it says, but don't, don't stop and seat yourself next to the scoffers. What happens? We become comfortable. That's where we get. We, we, there's no desire anymore for righteousness. There's no des- we're not hungering for it. We are, we are, we've put ourselves where there's no faithfulness. We've put ourselves where we do not care about the instruction. And the psalmist says, no, 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 that's not what you do. If we're looking for direction, it, the, the, the whatever device that will get you there... It's going to say, take a left here, take a right here. This is what it looks like. Well, let me, let me pull up a, a, a New Testament parallel to what this psalmist is saying. And it says in James 1, 14, and let me read this to you. It says that each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their, what kind of desire? Our own desire. Doesn't say I'm dragging you away. It says, when you are tempted by your own desire and you're enticed, then, and, and look how it's running parallel with this psalm. It says, then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So as we look at this journey, as, as we look at when, when I want to get to this place, I look at this direction and what my direction looks like as a believer. And I'll tell you this, it doesn't matter how badly I want to get to 441. It, it doesn't matter. If I'm on 73 and I'm looking at this, my choice again of direction is a Garmin. As I'm looking at the pink line that I'm not on, I'm on the gray line. And I keep hearing this going, recalculating, recalculating. If how am I going to get to that pink line? The only way I can change is to do a turnabout. The only way that I can change, the only way I can do that is to get off of Highway 73. I have to recalculate. Verse 2 tells you how to do it. This, This is the beauty of this first psalm. It's very simple. That is why Bill asked me to do it. He did. He said that to me. He said, Greg, you know, it's going to talk about a tree. It's a tree. It's not something else. You don't have to go real deep. You don't have to exegete that. Thank you, Bill. Um, But here's the beauty of this is that it says you're blessed if you don't do these things. How do you not do these things? Here's the answer. 
Verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. So, what would make you, what would make you want to change directions? What would make the psalmist want to change directions? Now, everybody listen to me. Look at what we're doing. We're looking for that direction. It says, blessed are you if you don't do these things. This is how you do it. This is the answer. It says that if you meditate day and night, if you delight in the law of the Lord. Let me tell you something. I know this, you know this, but every one of us is going to get direction from someone or we're going to get direction from somewhere. It it does not matter. If we want to um, invest in something, uh, we want to find out if it's wise. And so we're going to talk with someone. Or if we want to find out, hey, I've got a problem with this marriage, um, you're going to seek counsel. You're going to seek direction on how best to navigate this. We do it. All of us do it. We do it every day. We're going to find a way to get direction to the things that concern us in our life. And in this case, if I'm traveling, if you're traveling to your Gainesville's, if you're doing it, you may, um, you may do it from memory. It, this is a way that you've gone before. I'm going to travel this way. I, I know what I'm looking for. I'm going to look for this particular landmark. I know to turn left here. You may do it that way. Some of us remember the old maps that were folded up and it's in the glove compartment. Hadn't seen any of those in a long time. Now, my direction of choice and how I get it is I like the Garmin. I like the girl talking to me. She says, turn right dummy. You know, I just like that. Now, they're smartphones. I know that the younger generation prefer them. I can't see the screen. So I just enjoy the, I enjoy the Garmin. But we're going to get that direction. Here's the thing. It says that in order for you to be blessed, you're to meditate day and night and you are to pursue the things of the Lord. In other words, meditate means and pursuing means your lifestyle. It's, it's not this simple um, kind of a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Flippant way of approaching our Savior. It is a hungering for. It's pondering. It's your way of thinking. It's your way of pursuing. And let me give you the best way that I can explain that. I know that most of us at some point have been to a conference or you've been to a revival or you've been to some type of retreat where you know, and our youth will go to camps and they come back and they're excited. Why is that? I mean, why is that? Why is it that they're on fire for the Lord? Well, that's easy. I mean, they go there, they talk about God. Now they're praying about God. Well, when they get a break, we're going to sing about God. Then we're going to start over and we're going to talk about God. And then we're going to pray about God. And then we're going to and it's it's just, it's that meditating. It's that pouring in. It's being a part of it. It's no different. It's no different. 
But what happens is, by life's choice, we come back. And when they come back on fire, when we come back on fire from this conference, we're on this mountaintop. And it is blazing, baby. It is blazing hot. We're on fire for the Lord. A couple days later, it's all but smoldering ashes. Because we've stopped pursuing. That, that's what he means when we are to pursue that we are to meditate. And, and I'll tell you, at the, at the beginning, I, I said something about we have burdens. We bring things with us and we struggle. That's life. But I'll tell you something. I feel like the Andrea Gale in that I am in the middle of a perfect storm. And the storm doesn't care. It's hostile. It's aggressive. The storm could care less. How do you handle that? How do you handle life's problem? How do you handle these perfect storms where everything is lining up? And I have said before that at times I feel like a nub sticking out of the ground because the Lord loves me so much that he has cut me back and he has pruned me. And I've said, love on somebody else. Good night. I mean, I'm a nub because I'm in this and I look at this perfect storm where I'm thinking, how am I going to navigate this? The only way, according to the psalmist, is that you have to meditate day and night and that, folks, that is the only way that in this last year and a half, I have sustained some of the issues that I've had to deal with. I have had to take my fingernails and dig them in one day at a time, biting into the law of God in order to sustain it, just digging my fingernails in. And as I read this and as I thought about this, I thought about about 40 years ago, the story I was with at the time, my best friend. He invited me to go to the, the mountains up in North Georgia. And so I went with him. And one of the things that we did for fun was we walked across a stream where there was a waterfall. That's what you do at 12 years old. And the, 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 the game was how far could we keep walking until we got closer and closer to the edge of the waterfall. Now, the waterfall was 100 feet. And as you got closer, as you know, as, as it pours over, it gets, the, the current gets stronger. It gets faster. It's hard. And so the challenge was to be able to walk across this without falling. He fell. And as he fell, he grabbed me. And as we both fell, we turned over, we're rushing, it's, I mean, we're, being, we're going to the edge of this waterfall, and we dug our fingernails into the rock. That was the only thing that stopped. We both were kind of on our belt, and we were just, we didn't know what else to do. We, we, we're trying to break through this algae, this water's running, and we stopped, and we both just froze there. And a couple of people ran over, did a little chain of holding hands, and pulled us off. In our embarrassment, we're laughing it off. A couple of people were killed the day before off that very same waterfall. Here's the point. 
I had to dig my fingernails into this rock. And sometimes that is the only thing we can do. That's the only thing we can do. But the psalmist says, here's the truth. The psalmist says, you're blessed for it. You're blessed for it. That's encouragement to me. If we follow the directions, if I'm following the directions and I'm going to Gainesville, what do I expect to see? I'm going to see a description of the things I'm supposed to see. I'm I'm supposed to see if I'm on the right road, I'm to say, oh, I recognize that. Because there's a description. And we as believers, if we have that direction in our life, now we have what that looks like, what it's to look like around us. Let's read it. Let, Let me read it to you. It says that a description of a believer's life says he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so. They are like chaff that the wind drives away. And it's interesting, this progression. The first verse says, you're to say no to the world. That's what the first verse says. The second verse says, you're to say yes to Yahweh. You're to say yes to God. Because if you do verse 1 and say no to the world, verse 2, yes to God, then you get the description of what you're to look like, what I'm to look like. There is a description. It's very clean. It's very clear. It says that you will be planted. And, And I remember some years ago, I was teaching this in a Sunday school class, and I thought, this describes us. This describes us believers. We're to be planted, so when we're planted, there's stability. That tree is not moving because he is by streams of water. So now there's vitality. You're planted, there's durability, there is streams of water, there's vitality. It gives fruit, so there's productivity, it does not wither. And I'll tell you, when I read that the first time, I, think, I thought, it doesn't wither. It's sustaining. It's, it's alive. How many times do I begin to wither? There's durability. All that he does prospers. So it's certainty. There's certainty. So as as we begin this and as we look at this direction and as we begin this journey, we look at what it looks like, what you're to look like, what I'm to look like. I'm to have this durability and this this vitality. This is what a Christian life is look like, even though there will be difficulties. But that's not the whole picture. Verse 4, there's just one line that it says, but it's not like that with the wicked. The wicked are like chaff. The wicked are like dust. One line, very simple, very clear. It's not like that with the wicked. See, picture of the believer, what that looks like, what we're to look like, but it won't be that way for the wicked. So if you 
are looking for that description. In, in other words, if, if you're traveling down the road and you're trying to get to the Great Smoky Mountains and you see signs that says, welcome to the alligator farms of South Florida, you're going the wrong way. There's going to be a description. There's going to be signs that will tell you where you need to be. So you have direction, you have description. Here's the most important thing. Stay with me here. It's the destination. If I'm going to make the trip, I want to get where I'm going. And I'll tell you something, folks. Everyone laughs at me because I get a little skewed with my directions. I'm okay with that. I even ask for directions. A trip that might take five might take me six. But I'll get there. And you hear where I'm going with that. Is that, yeah, all of us get on that Highway 73 at times. All of us. But I'll tell you something. A lot of times, we're just very happy there. And that's okay. You want to be there. You don't care if you get off of it. Because 441, whatever. And that's not what the psalmist is saying. He's saying that now that you see what the description is and you know where you're going, what's your destination? What is the destination? What's the destination of a believer? He says in verse 5, Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So verse 5 starts off by saying, therefore. So in other words, it's telling us where all of this is headed. Beginning of verse 5 tells us where these other four verses... This is where this is going. Therefore, this is the mile marker of the chapter. This is the indicator. This is showing us, hey, you got all this. Therefore, this is where we're going. That's why the Psalms is so serious. That's why this first little clean little Psalm, the beginning of the 150 says, it so because it's not silly. There's no trifling. This is not a piddly little religious thing. It's saying, what's your destination? What's your destination if you're a believer? Let me give you another parallel. James paralleled the early part. Let's look at what Matthew says about this very thing. Matthew 7, 13, 14. It says... Enter by the narrow gate. I am not pausing for dramatic effect. Enter by the narrow gate. If you could hear me, I look at my children and I say, It's narrow. No one's there. Nobody's there. The wide part, that's the easy part. 
truth. I often will look at people. Let me use my children again. I look at my children and I say, that may be well and good, but it's not truth. I will tell you truth. This is exciting. When you can look and think about where we're going and what our destination is as believers and we get our direction and we see what it looks like and we get this truth. But we, we want to enter the narrow gate with everybody else It says the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter that are many. Have you ever asked yourself, you know what? If nobody else is going to stop looking at this on the computer, I am. If nobody else is going to stop laughing at that filth, I am. If nobody else is going to stop going to those movies that are filthy, I am. I get so frustrated with myself because I got it. It's right here. I get this, I get this, des- this destination is right here. Society wants to kick your teeth in so that you'll look like society. It is my passion. I can talk about truth and talk about what it looks like. It's all I do because I'm just throwing handfuls of noodles against the wall, wanting them to stick. Notice how the wicked are depicted in verse 5a. It says, there is no justification in the wicked. There's no justification. There's no communion. They are not part of God's flock. They're not part of it. They have no hope. I have spent so much waste on pursuing and hoping for something that there is no hope because I I think that it will satisfy. And this is what happens to the wicked. They have no hope. But who's the psalmist referring to? The psalmist is referring to the Israelites. He's referring to God's people. This is referring to you and to me, not to the lost. It's to you and me. A couple verses down, Matthew 7, 21, it says this. When Jesus is, he's talking to some disciples about their ministries. And apparently these disciples thought their ministries were powerful. Because they came up to him, they said, Lord, so their doctrine's good. They said, Lord, so they knew who he was. Now they're sincere because they said, Lord, Lord, 
So they're sincere about approaching. And, it, and he said, they say, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? The theology is good. But they're not pursuing and they're not, they don't have that destination in their hearts. They don't know where they're to be with it. The Lord knows the way of the righteous in 6a. This is an ongoing action. The Lord knows, the Lord knows, the Lord knows. And, and, and it's amazing how solemn this psalm is. The, the psalm begins, the first word is blessed, and the last word is perish. And as we look at where we're going, and, and as we look at the description of your life and my life of where we're going, and we look at that destination, I think of a movie that came out some years ago, National Lampoon's Vacation, the classic. I don't encourage you to watch it, but it talks about Clark Griswold, and he is going to make a journey across the country in the family truckster. And so he gets all the way where he's going, and Wally World is closed. He punches the moose in the mouth, I think. So where are we? As, as, as I kind of start winding down and I start, I want to give you a couple of applications. I want to give you a couple of things to think about. And it's this. The first thing is the lure of the wicked, um, of the sinners, and of the scoffers. It's very unassuming. So how you begin to think and act until you get to a place where you settle, until you sit down in it, and you become comfortable with it, and you don't pursue righteousness, and you don't care anymore, you start understanding that that's what happens to the lure of it. It's not usually in a gross form. It's not usually very, very obvious. And the, the thing about that is, is we think when, when someone says, hey, you don't think the way that I think, hmm, you may not be very sharp. Or if you don't act the way that I act, and I, and I think about this with my children especially, if you don't act the way the other knuckleheads act, they're going to look at you and say, you're a knucklehead. And I go, no, 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 you're not a knucklehead. That's what happens. You don't act the way that they act. And again, folks, I'm telling you, society wants to kick your teeth in. Society wants you to look like them. So if you don't act the way that they act, you don't laugh at what they laugh at. If you don't laugh at what they mock, they don't want any part of you. So it begs the question I asked earlier. If no one else is going to do it, am I going to do it? Am I going to separate myself? Next application, second application is this, is that the Christian description will not remotely look like the landscape. If you're on Highway 73 
It's not going to look like 441. It's not going to look like it. If you're a believer, your description is going to be different. You will not look remotely like the landscape surrounding you. Think about this. As we leave, we program in that direction in our lives. And the Lord says, blessed are you. Blessed are you. Blessed are you. Don't think that way. Don't pause and act that way. Please don't get to the point to where you sit down and enjoy that way. The only way you combat that is to pour yourself into a relationship with Him. It's the only way, folks. It's the only way. And as we do that, we get to see in, in the mirror a reflection of what it looks like in verses 3 and 4. The vitality of being a believer. The durability of being a believer. We get the description. But lastly, we get to enjoy the destination. We get to reach that place. and We get to stretch our legs. And we get to say, we're here. It's a good place to be. Let me, um, let me close with a word of prayer. Father, I, I will be the first and quite possibly the loudest to say that I get on Highway 73 and I just sometimes just keep on going. I forget about turning around. I turn off the device that's telling me to recalculate and I've become complacent and comfortable in that. I, I thank you for um, just giving us Psalm 1. I appreciate just the clarity of it and the simplicity of it that even I can understand. And I just pray for your people here. Um, again, it's, it's not a coincidence that they're here. They're here for a reason. And I just pray your blessing on them. I pray that they'll take the applications and... Um, and let it be a part of their life. Encourage them. And when, Lord, they see those blessings, that they will give you the credit for it. I ask this in your name. Amen.